Welcome to What I Wish I Knew by Dental Head Start, your weekly mentoring session thanks to cpdjunkie.com.au. Nothing is more frustrating than knowing that you're missing something and just not being able to find it. And in the world of endodontics, it is no different when it comes to missing canals. Welcome back to What I Wish I Knew. My name's Erica, and this is our final episode with Dr. Mehdi Rahimi and we talk about what to do when you're doing that emergency extirpation and you just can't find that last canal. With the ongoing COVID restrictions going on in New South Wales, my classmates and I are all busy in acute care doing pulpal extirpations left, right and centre and I did my very first one the other day. Granted, I had a lot of help from my tutors but I'm really seeing the difference in, you know, textbook theory where you know this is how many canals I'm expecting but you go in and it's not always that clear cut when you're trying to find them and so this was a really insightful conversation with Dr Mehdi where he talks about his tips and tricks and tools that he uses to help reorientate yourself and go about hunting for that canal but we begin this conversation by winding it back a step and just talking about the importance of having a good access cavity so 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 I'll go back to before I answer this question the fact that the more you practice, the better you get. So there's no doubt about that. So let's cut the chase. I mean, I think that not enough of the new graduates, um, because at school you're doing all of these requirements you have, are seeing everything. They're not um, extirpating enough molars. They're not trying to locate enough MB2 canals. Um, So they're not as experienced when they leave. We've got the basic principles, but I highly recommend – going to more basic courses for an understanding of how to put that rubber dam on after diagnosing right, how to access that tooth and how to get into the root canal system and locate those canals and how to be more comfortable with pipe chambers. In many of the basic courses that I'm involved with, we have lots of, um, we ask the the, the dentist to send in lots of extracted teeth. Uh, So they're on natural teeth and they basically just need to perform procedures on natural teeth outside the mouth ex vivo. And then they also get the opportunity to go back home or go back to their practice. They're at, they're at a chair. I'm sure they've all, you know, the, the, the bosses don't mind. And you pick up another 10 and you try to access another 10. And then you can also show us or you can show your boss or you can have a look yourself and see how you went. Okay. So access is number one. So when it comes to access at my practice, that's when everyone's quiet because I've done all my assessment and I don't care how easy the access might look, that's when everybody is quiet. You know, uh, even even the music might be down and I might bring the music up um, once I located the canals and got into the pulp chamber. So... I'm not talking to my nurse. My nurse knows, uh, and, and if someone's watching me, they know because I just I, I have a lot of people come and watch, um, you know, even even students, and I stop talking. I just go full-on focus. Once I locate the canals and I know where I am and I know that I've de-roofed or unroofed a pulp chamber and uh, I, I've done my initial, okay, scout, I know where I am, that's when I start to, you know, relax a bit. So access is the most important. Um, as soon as you get it wrong, um, everything else goes wrong. We know that. And this is all like written in textbooks and every, everyone talks about this. 
So in between, if I'm lost, and there are times that I'm also lost, so I'm only human as well, I always stop. And sometimes it is good to have a split dam. So you've got your clamp more posterior, so you can see the cervical aspect of the tooth. Because you might want to take a radiograph and see where you are going. Are you off center? Are you on par? Very occasionally, I put a radiopaque material in the wherever I am. <clears throat> I temporize the tooth. I take a 3D scan because I have one in each of my three practices. And then I measure up where I've been and I might get back in the tooth or get the patient back next time and find whatever I couldn't find. So remember that there are tools for you to stop and check, stop and check. The number one tool is to know where you are, orientating your access before you're in, and that's a radiograph, a 2D film. Um, and you don't even have to get the roots. You can get more like a bite wing because you'll see the pulpal floor more clearly. And who said you, you know, who said you got to get the roots? You can actually get the um, cervical interface, um, almost like a, a, a bite wing of that area, as long as there's no clamp on that tooth. So I often, when I strip things away and I temporize before I band and go back into tooth next visit, do everything with the most posterior tooth clamped. There's another way that I sometimes do this. I mean, there's other clamps. We've got the holler clamps um, that we actually um, do sell through Endogear, uh, our company, um, which obviously I've got an invested interest in, but it's a, it's a very good clamp because you don't have to, if it's the most posterior, it's like a seven, you don't have to actually have the wings on the seven. Uh, so it's a different type of clamp. You can even isolate um, with rubber only. You know, and floss it through or ligature it through. You don't have to have a clamp if you're worried about the clamp being in the way. And of course, you've also read textbooks where they talk about if it's a worn tooth or it's a root, um, the anatomy looks very different. They even said you can access first with a cotton roll. Once you access and you know you're kind of in the right spot, then you can put your clamp and rubber dam on. So, there are various tools to use once you're looking or once you're in the um, root canal, uh, I suppose, orify area. One of them is just simple EDTA. So EDTA solution gives me a glossy surface. Um, yes, when you locate canals, you can also use hypochlorite because it gives bubbles, like the champagne bubble test. But often the EDTA shows the map to me more clearly. So I always use EDTA as the first irrigant of choice once I'm inside the um, pulp chamber. Um, I have various ultrasonics, which have diamonds, uh, so diamond-coated ultrasonics we call them, where I can actually trough very gently um, across the fusion lines um, um, where the canal should be. I also have various troughing burrs, such as Munspurs or pop burrs or Muller burrs or endo, um, tracer burrs. These are finer at the tip, like a slow speed burr, and they're longer 
and they're a bit more rigid so they're not flimsy and you trough or brush the floor and then you use more EDTA you can even use a dye such as sable seek dye or methylene blue to stain the fusion line to stain that organic matter and that way I'm able to trough a little deeper to get into canals I would never ever forget three different um, I suppose circumstances where I fell into a hole so once you fall into a hole you just don't forget so apart from troughing and and probing with sharp probes and just keep going to, to see where you are and then doing a comb beam um, if you have to with radio opaque material to see where you are there are three teeth upper sixes 97% 96% whatever have a fourth canal MB2 so you have to at some point understand the anatomy better by taking a comb beam and looking at that figure of eight and if it's a figure of eight then you know in the middle of the other area where the eight is like the mesiopalatal region is where the mb2 is and you know about the mesial root you should know about the anatomy of it because the mesial root the mb1 is usually patent the mb2 or the more palatal you are on the mesial root the more calcified it is um, in an upper molar and so you got to drill deeper because it's calcified and of course often once you remove a little bit like a, a millimeter or so you you'd be able to find that patent canal be able to break that calcification so the upper six is one the lower molars are the other ones where often you could miss a distal buccal canal um, and I've even missed roots you know the um, radix molaris cases where I've actually missed an entire you know mesolingual root and I had to go back in and find it and say the patient might have had even a crown or might have had other restorative work done on top and then another very very challenging tooth I found very challenging which more often you know you think it doesn't have but it does have a second canal as a lower incisor because with a low incisor you just don't have enough room for error so those are three teeth that are worn whoever's listening to on don't forget that distobuckal canal of a lower molar that figure of eight anatomy still exists in those lower molars and often if you're on one side and the map doesn't look right the law of symmetry doesn't look right you've got to look for it low incisors and upper sixes uh, the other one upper six and maybe sometimes even upper sevens i've missed canals in upper sevens i've missed the mb2 because it was a lot harder to find it was a lot a lot nearer the mb1 and it can be missed quite easily as well As a new grad, I had to register with an indemnity insurer in order to practice, and having loads of options didn't make that any easier. When I came across Dental Protection Limited, they made it easy for me to sign up with them with their streamlined registration process, and they also had heaps of added bonuses for signing up, like webinar events, workshops, and various online learning. Dentistry is hard, and the stress of patient complaints can add to the everyday stress. Knowing I have DPL behind me every step of the way makes me feel confident stepping into work. If you want to feel like someone has your back going into work, you should give DPL a chance and discover what they can do for you. So would you say with like these teeth, like our approach to it, and... Um 
Yeah, because I, I know if I, I won't be able to quote papers or like what it is coming from, but like the set percentages for, you know, how many canals and how many roots we're expecting with each of these teeth. Are you saying that, you know, when we approach these situations, having that in the back of our mind of, you know, how many uh, canals we're expecting and then is that guided by, you mentioned before, like, you know, guided by, okay, we found one orifice and if it's off-center, um, you're going by your laws and you just understanding that, okay, don't just accept it for what it is, like keep in the back of your head that, you know, maybe there is another one that you just haven't found quite yet. Is that the approach that you're saying? Yeah, so to just remember the the law of symmetry and the the the, the laws that you have been taught, Um so looking at the floor and making sure the floor is nice and clean, looking at the fusion lines, which obviously at the end of each f- fusion line between the corner of the wall of the uh, the root canal and, and the floor is where you'll find canals. Uh, troughing and seeing little white dots, I, I like that. gives you little um, hints um, using, using so, dyes, as I said. But at the end of the day, yes, you would have percentages, but percentages mean really nothing. You've always got to trough a little bit. You've always got to trough even between in a mesial of a low molar between the MB and the ML. Because, you know, there are some papers, you know, and there may be a little biased papers, but they say 40%, 30%, you'll find a mid-mesial. So you've got a very long distance, generally, between an MB and an ML, of a lower molar tooth, you've got to trough it and often look in the middle and you might find a mid-mesial even. Um, so troughing, looking, inspecting. Going back in the next time, once you've cleaned everything before you obturate, take another look. And guess what? I'm going to come out and say it. Even though I think the principle of ALARA is important, as low as reasonable radiation, and I really think you've got to be strict with that when it comes to, I don't know, younger kids, like, like children that are more at risk of um, their cellular changes. Um, even though, like, you know, you don't want to irradiate pregnant patients unnecessarily, I'll come out and say it. Whenever something doesn't add up or look right, take a, a 3D scan. Take a 3D scan. A good quality, less than 0.1 millimeter slices, 3D scan. So the, often those scans are hard to find. Um, even when you send out for a scan, you've got to ask for as low slices as possible, small field of view, so you don't have to comment on everything and be responsible for everything. And uh, uh, and as high definition or as resolution as possible means you've got to have smaller slices for endodontic purposes. I mean, some say 0.2, but I say 0.1 or less slices is what you need. And it, you know, if you again, if you're not certain when you take that scan, everything's a lot more clear. That's the truth, because you'll see the shape of the root. And when you get better at reading scans, it's not good enough just to take the scan. You have to understand how to read it. You got to go through courses. You got to go study. You got to go understand the um, the software you're using, so you can adjust the software, play with it. Just like a mobile phone, just because you got the best mobile phone, whatever it is, number 15, 16 iPhone, it doesn't. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean that you're going to be any better than anybody else with an old phone. Um, as long as you know all the apps and you know how to how to use the software, you know how to read the scan. 
a scan means a lot these days. It gets rid of that ambiguity, gets rid of that doubt in your head. Because when you ask me something, oh, what percentage? You know, I, I look for it. I trough more than you. I've got more magnification. Okay, so magnification is very important. But what I'm going to say to you is, well, I want you to have all the tools I have eventually. So don't buy your whatever special bag that you're going to graduate with or don't buy the Tesla, don't buy your Rolex watches. Go and buy yourself a microscope. Do more training on using a microscope and buy a, you know, make sure you've got a good quality comb CT and then you can buy the rest of the stuff you need. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do what's right first. And so when you're saying those situations, even you mentioned before how you know sometimes like you're you're having trouble finding that that missing canal and so you temporize the tooth and then you go and take these scans, right? So for I guess like a general dentist mm-hmm. or a new grad where you know, we're doing our best, finding the ones that we can, but we just can't access that, you know, that we just can't locate that one. But we have a feeling there's another one. How do we go about managing the situation? What do we say to the patient? Well, you, you tell them that, look, you know, I don't I want to spend any more time on this at the moment. I've found whatever number of canals it is, and I've managed to manage them well. But unfortunately, this one's really, really tricky, uh, complex, uh, microscopic complex, so I would like to temporize at this point. I'll prescribe you this, you know, anti-inflammatory. There's a, there's a probably, there could be a higher risk that you'll end up with a, a flare-up. Again, the risk is 3%. And, and follow it up with a phone call to make sure, you know, if they have flare-up, you cared about them, don't forget the phone call. Um, and, and then you say, okay, I've prescribed this, I've done this, I'm going to write a referral to, to this. Or if you like me to manage it, um, then I've got to get a scan. Um, so I've got to send you for a 3D scan. Um, make sure you put something radio opaque. Make sure you pack the cavity further down. Um, the orify, you can always ultrasonic it out um, because if you put a cotton powder, you can't see the opacity and where you've gone to. And then um, you could seek further advice. So, look, I would like to see your scan before um, I commit to further treatment on your tooth. So then you could easily sometimes show one of us endodontist or, or an experienced dentist and they'll be like oh look no 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 i can come and help you find it or or it's there just look here you know you're nearly there you're nearly there just use this to find it so we'll tell you what to do or or sometimes if you don't want to manage it if you feel like oh well you know it's too hard um you'd rather not that's fine too um you can come in on your day off with your patient and we'll find it and we'll show you and you know as long as the patient's happy to see us We'll show you how we found it, and you learn a lot from the comb beam. Um, in those cases where you go to refer, I, I asked you don't do a comb beam because we've got a better a setting, and we've got a, a, a you know we want to use our CBCT where we're used to using. Aligners are becoming an integral part of practice, and whether you are new to aligner therapy or an experienced practitioner, the opportunity is vast. But how do you do that well, and how do you do that profitably? Well, Dr. Jeff Hall and Dr. Jesse Green have got together to help you with both of these key problems in aligner therapy. Dr. Jeff Hall is going to teach you how to do clear aligners to a high standard and give you the confidence to be able to treatment plan and troubleshoot your patients. And Dr. Jesse Green is going to show you how to do this more efficiently, more profitably, and to get more patients like these into your practice. 
Solving these problems and getting you profitable in Clear Aligners is what Clear Aligner Excellence, their new education platform, is all about. It also gives you huge discounts on the Aligner Lab fees. There's almost no reason not to find out more. Thank you so much for sharing all of that knowledge. I feel like I've learned so much and I think it's also made me a little bit more excited to do Endo because like like I said to you before, like it's a very, it seems like a very scary realm and, you know, part of dentistry, but you know, just listening to what you've said here and just well, like I mean, the words let, of reassurance. Let me, yeah, like, let me tell you one last thing, which I've said before, I think CPD junkie. I used to hate Endo. I was so worried about the next patient, especially after I perforated. One of my first teeth I accessed, maybe the first or second molar tooth, was that perforation on that old guy, um, which was very who was very forgiving after they had, I think, an extraction eventually. So the reality is, I think yes, endodontics is challenging even today. Yeah, I could tell you that it's a challenging field in dentistry, but it's also very rewarding. I love using different um, tools, and in endodontics. It's really always rapidly advancing. Um, all these files that, you know, bend certain ways and are heat treated and have various features, um, equipment wise, the microscope. Um, so it's very rewarding uh, when you have all the right tools and when you've practiced enough, everything to you seeming hard becomes relatively easy. Um, I'd never say it's easy, easy, because I get tired and I get challenging cases. But the more number of cases and the more you persist with something, eventually they become much, much easier to deal with. And sometimes you also know the ones you can't deal with or you're going to refer off easier to. So I would say it shouldn't discourage you. Um, it is a very interesting field. I mean, obviously, you know, I've got bias because I – I perform it every day <laughs> and it's not only rapidly advancing, but it's very rewarding when you understand it well and when things under your hands work and they may not work under others and you know why. So, so um, it's just basically practice, but never ever forget to do the basics right. That's the last word I leave with you is, you know, an endodontist does the basics right. So again, stripping away everything assessing for cracks carefully, getting your diagnosis right, doing your radiographic assessment right, whether that might mean a comium CT, that might mean further tests, um, um, and then embarking on the actual treatment, um, having the right tools um, will make your job a lot easier. And don't forget to practice on those extracted teeth before you get on to the patients and have a go at patients and watch, watch, watch. Don't forget to watch many endodontists before you graduate and after you graduate and bring those patients that are difficult to manage that you couldn't manage so you could see how we managed it. Come and watch. Then the next time you would have seen us two or three times do it, I bet you it'll be much easier. You'll remember stuff by watching. You'll see those little subtle things we do that you'll never, ever be taught when you listen to a theoretical you know, slide-based lecture. Absolutely. And it's all relative, right? Like, you know, without experience, the more you do, the more things, you know, become more natural and become more second nature. I, I like it. I feel like and the more we talk about it, it seems almost like, you know, you're a bit of a detective with your armamentarium of all these things that you pull out, even though from the beginning when you're talking about like, oh, um, the hot pulp and oh, just like, you know, 
going back to first principles, what kind of LA can you use? And then you're like, okay, you know, these misadventures, you know, how Welcome do we Welcome back do to we the Dental Head Start podcast. I'm Graham Pearson, and if you really want to um, know how Dental Head Start started, a lot more exciting. then this episode <laughs> yeah. is for you. Yeah, yeah, and dentistry is always exciting when you're not excited there's something wrong. How Dental Head Start started where it came from and where it's going. David has some really great insights, and being someone who's five years out of dental school, he's the epitome um, of what I've always Dental been Head Start very is and about what learning I do, about and what I still his and a day story is and his experiences are like, in practice yeah, and just outside of practice learning, too. And, uh, David has some really great advice around topics like mentorship, well. communication, so you've learned, even just if you're enjoying grad, life. So you're going to be have a listen. Grad. Let us know what you think. I think it's nice to In 2022, we're hoping to have a mantra of giving back and we're hoping that you could get involved too and help someone else in New get a head start I mean, in life. Oh, we'll have more information Chicago about this. And the guy but in back the meantime, then enjoy Lister. our interview with the David Dean Keir. at Sydney. He got two students per year um, to do a 50% academic, 50% clinical at SDH, or back then it was called United Dental Hospital. And that way, it, I actually enjoyed teaching from the beginning. And because I enjoyed teaching, I enjoy learning to teach. So you guys, you students and uh, other dentists, keep me on my toes. I would have been very, very bored of endodontics, and I would only be doing it for, let's say, money, right, which is so wrong, right, um, because there's much easier ways to earn a living. But because I enjoy it and I'm passionate, I, I just want to keep teaching, keep learning, and keep keep. You know, just keep yourself um, stimulated. And sometimes it, it means you've got to travel overseas now that hopefully, you know, travel bubbles over and you've got to watch some of the best in whatever field of dentistry. Um, doesn't have to be necessarily endodontics. If you watch them um, and you, you, you see what they do and you see their world, it just keeps stimulating you. So you keep learning. Yeah, nothing will ever be challenging. Whatever challenge in dentistry, if anyone else could accomplish, you can as well. Thank you so much for listening to the Dental Head Start podcast. I genuinely hope this is helping you become a better dentist. So if you like what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe on your podcast player and I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go to social media and share something that you've appreciated from us with one of your friends. That's how the word gets out. That's how more people gain and benefit from what we're doing. And if you're a dental student or a graduate and you want to get a head start, go to dentalheadstart.com to find everything we're doing to help dental students become great dentists.